You're listening to Unabridged, the Christian fiction audiobook podcast. I'm Alana Terry, bringing you engrossing, engaging Christian fiction in bite-sized segments you can take with you on the go. This season's Unabridged Christian fiction audiobook is Termination Dust, an unforgettable suspense novel set in the heart of rural Alaska. Termination Dust is written by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy, and sponsored by The Beloved Daughter, an audiobook about a young girl sent to a North Korean prison camp for her father's Christian faith. The Beloved Daughter has won awards from Women of Faith, Reader's Favorite, The Book Club Network, and several more. The audiobook version is narrated by Kathy Garver, lifelong actress and winner of two Audio Awards. Visit alanaterry.com beloved to get this audiobook free with your Audible trial today. And now, enjoy today's installment of Termination Dust, an Alaskan Refuge Christian Suspense audiobook. Chapter 20 Chuck was cleaning out his ears when Kimmy stepped back into the living room. You wanted to see me? He didn't turn to look at her. Got these for you. He tossed a manila envelope by her feet. Need them filled out by tomorrow when the mail comes. She picked up the envelope as well as a few of Chuck's used Q-tips. What's this? She bent back the fastener. Disability application. You'll need that now you aren't working no more. Kimmy's mom had never been one to gamble. She thought cards and dice were wicked, and she never took any risks. Kimmy wasn't like that, so she searched Chuck's face to try to detect how serious he was. This might all be some bluff. She could put up a tiny fight and be back at the daycare by tomorrow. Or Chuck might be so set on keeping Kimmy at home that he'd do anything, even hurt Pip if she defied his order. Just how far should she push? And was she feeling lucky? Like earlier, she decided to appeal to his greed and selfishness first. You know, I think the state's really backed up right now on applications. She wouldn't mention her own first-hand experience applying for Pip's medical coverage. It'd probably take a while for the money to start coming through. She also wouldn't mention the fact that no reasonable administration would label her unfit for work. Because Chuck had managed to eke money out of the system for years for no other disability than being a lazy alcoholic who preferred his drink over gainful employment, that didn't mean that anyone who filled out this packet could count on receiving a regular check. Filling out his stupid application would get him off her back, but it wouldn't put breakfast in Pip's mouth. Another thing I started to wonder just now, she began, trying like usual to downplay her ability to actively think and reason for herself, is if maybe we'd be better off in the long run keeping things the way they are. She didn't say the word daycare, didn't want to trigger him and set him off for a half-hour tirade. She could tell by the tightness in his face that she was walking on thin ice but she'd have to venture out just a little further and hope it wouldn't crack. The nice thing about the current setup is it has Pip eating most of his meals outside of the home. It'd take quite a bit more grocery money to make up that difference. She watched Chuck warily, knew that he was still unconvinced. He's usually really hungry by bedtime, she added hopefully. It was this last comment that tipped the scale against her. 
You think I'm not doing my job as the man of this house in providing for my family? His diction, for once, was impeccable, which only increased Kimmy's fear. Her stepfather was mean, violent, and sadistic whenever he was drunk, but he tired easily and soon lost interest. When he was sober, on the other hand, I didn't mean that at all. She opened the envelope and pretended to look through the first few pages. I'm sorry, it's just things have been a little difficult for us all. Difficult? Her stepfather roared. You want to talk to me about difficult? Your mom had the nerve to hang herself in my garage, leaving me an idiot of a son who can't even say his own name and an ungrateful brat who stands in my house and tells me how to run my family. Kimmy shook her head vehemently. I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. He was out of his chair now, and Kimmy didn't know whether the first object to meet her body would be his fists, his boots, or some projectile. He grabbed her by the ponytail, snapping her neck back and twisting her head up to face him. Let's get one thing right, you spoiled little princess, he hissed into her face. For once, she wished for the familiar scent of beer on his breath. This is my home, and as long as you live here, you better expect we are going to do things my way. If I say go on disability, you go on disability. If I say punch your brother for being a stupid, speechless idiot, you punch your brother for being a stupid, speechless idiot. All day, Kimmy had been testing this thought in her head, this nagging suspicion Taylor had fueled with his speculations and questions back at the daycare. Was this the kind of outrage Mom witnessed before her husband killed her? Kimmy was smart enough to know that she was stupid not to feel scared, stupid not to cower, to get on her knees, to beg for forgiveness. But she wasn't ever going to grovel again. For the first time in her life, she saw her stepfather for what he really was, a pathetic, lonely man with no power except what people like her mom gave him. Mom fed his ego, bolstered his twisted sadism. If Chuck didn't have someone weaker to manipulate and terrify, he was absolutely nothing more than a pot-bellied man, a pathetic creature unable to wield any power whatsoever. For the first time since she met Chuck, Kimmy wasn't scared of him. He could do what he wanted to her. Then when he was done, he'd fall down exhausted and have to sleep until morning. She was younger, stronger, and more stubborn than he could ever hope to be. She was smarter, too, which meant that she'd find a way to save both herself and Pip. The torment would end, and Chuck would be left alone in a drafty cold trailer surrounded by beer cans and chip wrappers with nobody left to terrorize, berate, or clean up after his pitiful messes. Kimmy grinned and then realized from the glowing hatred in her stepfather's eyes that this single gesture of defiance might cost her very life. Chapter 21 
You think this is a game? Chuck punched Kimmy in the gut, his breath hot as he bellowed in her face. You think you can come here and laugh at me in my own house? The anger that soared through her was as exhilarating as it was dangerous. Struggling for breath, she knew she couldn't irritate him further. She had to placate him, for Pip's sake. But all she could think about was how pathetic he'd look in an orange prison jumpsuit, tired and weary, an old man who'd destroyed everyone around him and was finally reaping the benefits of his cruelty. He slammed her against the wall and laughed as she collapsed to the floor. It wasn't until he unlocked his cabinet in the corner that cold fear chilled her whole body. He'd threatened each of them before with his rifle, even Pip, but that was always when he was so drunk he could hardly stand up straight. She'd never faced him both armed and sober. All feelings of haughtiness and grandeur vaporized when he pulled out his hunting rifle. That's what he called it, at least, because apparently before he found a woman he could send to the grocery store to buy canned chili, he actually had to work for his food. Kimmy was still on the floor, wondering if she'd have time to kick him and knock him off balance if he decided he was going to fire. Please don't let Pip come out, she prayed, and hoped that her brother was already asleep. Chuck took a step forward. She'd already missed the opportunity to trip him with her leg. She was paralyzed, watching every one of her stepfather's movements as though through time-manipulating binoculars. Chuck himself was stuck in slow motion as he brought the rifle up to his shoulder and aimed. But everything else, her pulse, her eyes darting in every direction in search of escape, her choppy breaths, had sped up exponentially. Chuck slid the bolt forward. He was going to shoot her. Right here, as she lay cowering on the floor, he was going to shoot her. She didn't even have the courage to bring her hands to cover her face, but instead stared at her stepfather, totally stupefied. A defiant whine from the hallway was both grating and freeing. Kimmy jumped into action and sped toward her brother. Get him out of here, Chuck hollered. Pip squealed angrily, pantomiming a toothbrush with his finger. He wants to brush his teeth. Just get him back in bed. At least Chuck had the decency to wait to murder Kimmy until Pip was safe in his room. Heart still speeding, Kimmy led her brother down the hall. The electricity had been cut off so many times she always kept a small flashlight in the top drawer of the bathroom. She turned it on, wondering how to help Pip clean his teeth without any running water. Here, open your mouth. She picked up his toothbrush, and he grunted in complaint, pointing to the tube of Colgate. No toothpaste, she told him. Not tonight. Now open up. As she brushed his teeth, she brought her mouth toward his ear. I want you to listen to me. No matter what you hear happening tonight, I want you to stay in your room, okay? If Daddy gets real loud, just stay in your room and if he comes in acting mad. She couldn't finish. What could she tell him? 
She wasn't even sure if Pip understood anything she said. If something happened to her and then Chuck came after Pip, he could run. He knew where Mrs. Spencer lived. But what if he got lost in the dark? If Daddy's really mad tonight, she concluded, it's okay to hide. You remember hide-and-seek at the daycare? The thought gave her an idea. Remember how you hid in that big house? Pip's eyes widened. Did he understand? She leaned in even closer. If Daddy gets really mad, and if I fall asleep or can't help you, I want you to hide. And if the sun comes out and you can sneak outside real quiet, go over to Mrs. Spencer. Can you do that? Wait, what if Mrs. Spencer just walked him back home to Chuck? It was too complicated. If Kimmy wasn't there to offer him every single direction like she'd spoon-fed him that night's chili for dinner, how could she expect Pip to remember everything? Which meant that Kimmy had to keep herself alive through the night so that tomorrow she could find a way to get them both the help they needed. By the time she got Pip tucked back into his bed, Chuck was back in his recliner. She glanced nervously around the living room until her eyes landed on the rifle leaning against the cabinet. Don't forget your application. Chuck nodded toward the pile of paperwork Kimmy had dropped on the floor. If it helped her survive to see Pip through one more night, she'd go through the motions of obedience. Kimmy stooped to pick the file up and glanced again at the cabinet, promising herself that as soon as Chuck was asleep, she'd find a way to get a hold of that rifle. Chapter 22 The temperature had dropped, but the sun still hadn't fully set. Another month or two and it would be dark before dinner time, but for now the little bit of extra daylight still served in her favor. Pip had been snoring gently for about half an hour, and Kimmy's eyes were strained from filling out that paperwork with nothing but the dim twilight and a cheap battery-powered flashlight. When she heard the front door shut, she strained her eyes and peered out the window. When Chuck had to pee and the power was out, he either filled up the toilet or sprayed the area right by the front porch. But this time she could make out his fat figure sauntering toward the outhouse. Her whole body trembled. She'd already planned what she was going to do. But what if Chuck found out? What if they ran out of time? Then what would happen to them? Before grabbing Pip, she ran to the gun cabinet. Chuck still hadn't put the rifle away. She'd never even handled the thing. Guns scared her, whether she was watching her stepfather aiming the barrel at her mom's chest or just seeing a gunfight on one of his violent TV shows. But this was the only way to make her plan work. She was faster than Chuck, but she certainly wasn't faster than a bullet. She sprinted back into her room, trying to guess how long she had, begging God that it would be enough. Sometimes Chuck only needed a few minutes. Other times he could take nearly half an hour, although that was usually when he was in the house and had magazines to keep him busy. She scooped Pip up, 
hoping he'd stay asleep until they were out of earshot. He'd be groggy and disoriented, and the last thing she needed was for Chuck to hear Pip crying as they made their escape. The biggest difficulty would be how to carry her brother and the rifle at the same time. She could just hide it. That way, if Chuck went after them, at least he'd be unarmed. She didn't have a lot of time to make her decision. Instead of taking it with her and risking falling and hurting herself or her brother, she rushed it into their bedroom and shoved it under her mattress. All she needed was a few minutes' head start. She couldn't take Pip to Mrs. Spencer's. That would be too obvious and one of the first places Chuck would look. They'd have to go in the other direction. Kimmy needed to end up at the highway if she wanted to find someone with a phone who could help, but her main priority would be to evade Chuck for as long as possible. That was the first goal. Everything else was secondary. Kimmy yanked their blanket off the bed and covered her brother. Tattered as it was, it'd give Pip some extra protection from the cold. Thankful that he was still asleep, she hurried as quickly as she could toward the front door, grabbing her jacket. Where were her shoes? There wasn't any more time to waste. She threw them on her feet, snatched up her brother's tennies, and was out the door. Chuck hadn't been hunting in over ten years, but Kimmy didn't know just how good of a sportsman he'd been in the past. Could he follow their tracks? Would he bother in this chilly twilight? She'd need to make her way to the trooper station, but first the long trek through the woods, away from the highway, away from the neighbors who might offer to help. As soon as she stepped outside, she wished she'd brought that rifle. She wasn't even positive that she'd know how to fire it if she needed to, but at least she'd look imposing. Then again, she couldn't carry her brother and an awkward gun very far. Pip was getting heavy. The woods thickened just ahead. Once she was convinced they were concealed by the trees in the darkness, she'd wake him up. She hoped she hadn't forgotten anything. Going back was no longer an option. No second chances, no second guessing. She had to go forward, even if it killed her. You've been listening to Termination Dust by Alana Terry. Today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by The Beloved Daughter Audiobook, available exclusively on Audible. Visit alanaterry.com slash beloved to download the Beloved Daughter audiobook, narrated by two-time Audi Award winner Kathy Garber. If you're new to Audible, you can listen to this award-winning novel right away with a no-risk 30-day free trial when you go to alanaterry.com slash beloved. And don't forget to tune in soon for the next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Thanks for listening.